everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. honor and privilege of introducing our speaker today. He is, has been on the stage once before, so we're going to give him an extra amazing City of Lights family boisterous welcome. Will you please join me in welcoming one of our Every Nation family, Dr. Steve Robinson. All right, it is my second time here. Um, there's more people here than there was last time. I was here last year during Indy 500 week, and it was a little crazy. Maybe some of you were, were there and not here back in uh, last year. So I am from Cincinnati, Ohio. So I bring greetings from Pastor Brian and our Every Nation Church called Bethel Cincinnati there. Uh, my wife and family could not join me this time, but I did bring Evan. Say hi to Evan. Evan's a college student from University of Cincinnati here who was my car buddy this morning up and back. Something else I don't normally do as well. Um, if you were part of the worship team this morning, could you please stand up? Can we just praise God for, for these guys? And stay standing for a second. Because as the guest pastor here, I'm, I didn't communicate with these guys all the details of what my sermon's going to be about today. But my title this morning is about freedom. And all three of those songs were absolutely about that. And I believe the Lord, the Lord gave me a word for this worship team today as you were here. I believe that the sound coming off of this stage or through this church out of the worship team here is going to be a vehicle of freedom for people. And that as you worship in this place, people are going to get free before the preaching ever starts. Now, the preaching of the word is great and it's a part of that. But I believe that God's doing something special here. And it's not just because your senior pastor is like my hero worship leader of all times. <laughs> And then, but, but there's something, John wasn't even here today, and yet the power of God is here today to bring freedom. So Lord, thank you for this worship team. God, thank you for the sound coming out of this church. Lord, and I believe I speak by faith today, God, that there is freedom coming, God, as chains will fall from people's lives. God, as, as the word goes forth, God, as the sound of heaven, God, comes through your people. Lord, I pray that there will be a different sound than just with the world, good music, God, good instrumentalists, good vocals. God, but the faith behind the worship, God, the faith that comes, God, as the word is declared out in song, God, even as, God, the worshipers went before uh, the armies of Israel marching around Jericho, calls walls to fall, God, I thank you for a sound coming forth that will bring freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, worship team. All right, so... This idea of freedom, it is near and dear to my heart. My wife and I, Christy, we are the associate pastors at our uh, Bethel Cincinnati Church. But we actually head up a ministry called Experiencing Spiritual Freedom that we do. It's not just unique to Cincinnati. Um, and I hear um, it may be rumbling here at City of Lights sometime uh, later on this year. But we do that and we love seeing people get free. And so the passage that God has put on my heart today to share with you is out of Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 10. I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible. You can either follow along in your Bibles or uh, the word should be on the screen as well. In verse 10, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman who was, was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. 
Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work. Six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. I've entitled this message, Freedom, Birthright of the Believer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. God, I pray that today, Lord, you would open our eyes to see something greater about who we are in Christ. Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive the word, God, and the desire and the ability, God, to walk in greater freedom after today. May you empower the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so before I get into talking about this passage, I do have a confession to make. There's certain kind of TV shows that I like. Some are in the kind of espionage, spy, or maybe some of the crime drama kind of things. And there's a, one particular show that I really, really enjoyed. Maybe some of you were around in 2005 when it debuted called Prison Break. Anybody ever like that show? Yeah. I know they had a little 10-year uh, redux a couple years ago. It's a weird little like eight-season episode uh, kind of a deal. But um, if, those of you who aren't familiar with Prison Break, it's a story of a guy that was wrongfully convicted of murder, sentenced to life imprisonment, and his genius brother got himself arrested and convicted thrown into the same prison so that he could help break his brother out from the inside. It was kind of a cool concept, um, and it was pretty amazing how they kept that going for a couple seasons. But, you know, the show really wouldn't work if when the brother got inside, you know, having been arrested and thrown into jail, if he had this great plan to break his brother out, if his brother didn't actually want to leave. If he kind of grown accustomed to it and eh, was a little scared of breaking out, it really wouldn't make for great TV, would it? No, the drama of how to break out was part of what he did. But the fact is that people have to want to get out for freedom to actually happen. And the fact this story kind of describes kind of what Jesus did with his mission when he came to earth. In fact, he tells us in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus said about himself, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to break us out of our own prisons, prisons of oppression, prisons of blindness and fear. But we also have to want to be free for his freedom to apply to us. I'm going to give us a definition today as we're talking about freedom. Freedom is not the right to do whatever we want but the power to do what is right. Let me say that again. Freedom is not the right to do whatever we want, but the power to do what is right. I think sometimes we have a mistaken view that somehow, well, religion and faith in Jesus means somehow that, oh, all these rules and all these restrictions on my life, and, you know, that's kind of very constraining. But see, the fact is that sin, being in bondage to sin, to doing what's wrong, is bondage. True freedom means I have the power to say no to doing what's wrong and to actually walk in following Jesus. I think many of us, if we, if we uh, know Jesus or want to do right, we just find ourselves 
trapped or in bondage to doing what is wrong. But the Bible promises us spiritual freedom. So to understand freedom, I think it, I find it helpful to first think, what are some of the things that keep us bound? What are some of these areas of bondage that cause us not to be able to walk in the kind of freedom that God wants? So out of this passage today, I think there's three big areas here. The first is this, spiritual bondage. Back to our story in the first three verses here, starting in verse 10. On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. In fact, it says she was bent over, so she couldn't straighten up at all. Can you imagine 18 years somehow being bent over? This woman couldn't straighten up. Obvious, something was wrong. She wasn't normal. I don't know how much pain she was in because of that, how much she couldn't do. Was she able to even be married or have a family to do the things she needed to do? Or did this bondage keep her literally trapped in her own body? Now, the fact is, the guy who wrote this passage, Luke, like myself, a physician, me and Luke were kind of like this. I love Luke. Luke gives lots of details when he shares the story of Jesus in his gospel that, as a medical doctor, I can appreciate. Luke gave us the diagnosis of this woman's problem here. It wasn't scoliosis. It wasn't a physical malady or a virus or because of an illness. No, the etiology or the diagnosis of her condition was a spirit. A supernatural entity had kept her in bondage. Now, the reality is there is an unseen world. Angels, fallen angels, a realm that we can't see with our eyes or touch or taste or smell with our five senses. It is very real. Spiritual oppression, like this woman suffered, is a reality. And even being a part of the family of God doesn't mean that we cannot be influenced by this unseen world. This woman, Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham. She was a part of the covenant family of God. And yet, she was oppressed for 18 years. Now, she doesn't say she was possessed. And I think this is where we allow Hollywood to define things for us, this idea of poltergeist and, you know, you see scary movies and horror shows that deal with folks that are, you know, totally, you know, possessed by demons or whatever. We talk about that. That's not what the Bible speaks of here. But she was oppressed. She was under the influence and, and, and being hindered and hurt by this unseen, unclean spirit. But Jesus says, you know what? This woman is a child of Abraham. She's part of the kingdom. She shouldn't be bound anymore. This is not right if this is just the way she lives and her condition. Freedom from spiritual oppression is part of our birthright as children of God. I don't know, maybe you know somebody that it doesn't seem like anything that they do, they can ever get ahead. There's always something that tragedy happens, things that are difficult to explain about why things are always going on with them. Well, even if they're a believer, maybe the enemy is involved in what's happening to them. And it's not right. It's not God's best or God's plan. Freedom from spiritual oppression and spiritual bondage is a part of our birthright. In fact, Paul said this in Romans 8. He described in verse 14. He said, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received as believers 
does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also might share in his glory. This idea of being called an heir of God. That means an heir has an inheritance. If our daddy, Abba, father, that's what Abba means, daddy. If our daddy is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and you're his heir, what does that make you? That means you're a prince or a princess in the kingdom of of God. That means you have an inheritance. Do you know that you have an inheritance? Do you know all that entails for you? Too many of us walk around not understanding who our daddy is. Or we don't understand who we are in light of him, in Christ. See, this says here that we've not been given a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Fear is a powerful jailer. In fact, here's a good good acronym my wife shared with me a couple years ago for what fear is. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Did you know you can be tricked by appearances? Did you know that things that you see or things that you feel may seem very real to you, but they're not? Fear will absolutely get you convinced of all kinds of things that aren't true, even though they may appear that way. I do a lot of ministry and things with young people, and the fact is that young people today, I don't know how this came about, but you guys are more convinced than any generation before that your feelings determine reality. If I feel it, it must be true. And Your feelings don't necessarily determine anything but the fact that hormones are raging and lots of stuff is going on. Okay, but it doesn't make it true. Fear does that all the time. Fear can convince you of something that is not true. Now the question is, are you going to believe what you feel? Are you going to believe kind of what somebody tells you, who you are, or what the reality should be about you? Or are you going to believe what your maker says about you. Because you will determine whether you live in that jail cell or not. Fear will tell you the jail cell is still closed. I'm sorry, you're in life sentence. There's no getting out for you. When Jesus already said, no, 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 I broke down the bars of that jail cell. The doors busted off his hinges. You are free to go. But too many of us believe the lies of the enemy that says, no, I'm sorry, nothing's changed for you. You're still in bondage. And that's what it is. It's a lie. Some of you need to have a higher opinion of yourself. You need to believe what God says about you. Not what that coach in middle school said about you. Not what maybe a parent who really knocked you down said about you. Or somebody else that you looked up to that really saw no potential in you. Do you know what God says about you? Do you know what God says your inheritance is and who you are? Well, if you never get in that word, if you never get around other believers, folks that know who they are in Christ, that can help and encourage you and tell you who you are, well, you'll be living locked up, bound up in so many ways, not rising up to your full potential. Those of you who are parents, maybe some of you who have kids that are older, you know, when it comes, I know in my household, we have dinner. 
not as often as we used to family dinner because I've got three teenagers and we're always coming and going. But when it's family dinner time, I scream and yell and maybe they're noise canceling headphones I can get through eventually. They come down for dinner. Do you think it would honor me if my kids, instead of coming to sit at the table where they have a place set with their name at it, they go and they start eating out of the dog bowl instead? Do you think that's going to please me as daddy in the house? Why are you kidding? No, my children eat at the table. <laughs> they don't eat from the dog bowl. Oh, daddy, I don't feel worthy today. I don't feel like I lived up to your standards. Do you think that would please me? No, you're not the dog. <laughs> you are my child. I don't care whether you took out the trash on time. To get at the table. This is where the kids sit. That's what God says to us. Come to the table. You're my child. That's who you are. Whether you feel it or not, whether you fully understand it or living up to that yet, that's who you are in Christ. A child of the king. Begin to act like it. Stand up. Hold your head up. Not because of how good you are, but because of who your daddy is. It doesn't matter what the enemy says or what somebody else declares about you. You need to see what God's opinion is about you. And in Christ, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. In Christ, you are already seated in the heavenly places. Already. Do you know that? Back to our passage from Luke 13. As much as this story is about Jesus demonstrating his power over the unseen of the spiritual realm to break us free from spiritual bondage, I believe it also reveals another type of bondage the second point, religious bondage. Jesus came to set us free of even things that have a religious flavor to them. Verse 14, it says this, Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. See, this synagogue leader, he was bound up in religious tradition that said, the Sabbath, this particular day of the week, you can't do anything outside of what we say fits in this box of what keeping it holy means. Did you know that sometimes our religious traditions can be an even harder prison to escape than even spiritual bondage? See, the fact is, our traditions, our forms of worship, how we do church, what faith it's the human nature is to sometimes try to make it formulaic to the point where it has to be a certain way. Otherwise, it's not real. It's not holy. It's not God's way. And I'm not even just talking about liturgical forms of worship, the kind of services, certain church traditions where it's literally, it, the structure is exactly the same every week and it's the same hymns and the same this and we do it the same way every time. Did you know that even in a, a more spirit-led church where the Holy Spirit is free to reign, some churches can get bound up in the fact that, well, you can't, the Spirit really didn't show up unless the band gets going. And unless we're free-form worshiping, boy, that Spirit isn't there yet. Or, oh, it's only hymns. It's only certain kinds of music without, or maybe you can't use instruments. It's only acapella. That's the only way that God does it. Or maybe unless brother so-and-so starts taking laps around the building, boy, nothing can really happen that day unless that happens. I mean, we humans will make a religious bondage <laughs> and structure out of anything. So there is no one perfect and only way to worship him. And so we have to be careful 
this synagogue leader missed the forest for the trees. The synagogue leader missed the fact that God was standing in their midst, doing amazing things, setting people free. He was indignant. He had a righteous anger about him. But it was bondage, and he missed what God was doing. See, he missed the whole point of the fourth commandment as demonstrated in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, when God said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That word holy means set apart. It doesn't mean a set of religious structure by itself. It means devoted to God. What could be a greater devotion to God than setting a woman free who was a daughter of Abraham who'd been bound up for 18 years? And this religious leader had never done anything to see her set free. They missed the point of the law, of what God's best was for his people. Jesus, throughout his ministry, he fought with some of these religious leaders more than he ever did with the Roman authorities of his day. The external religious worship of what God's call for our lives isn't just limited between 10 and 12 on a Sunday morning. In fact, walking with Jesus, being fruitful, living out his kingdom should happen well outside of this time limited that we gather together for a worship service. If we somehow limit when God moves and what faith means to a particular time frame or a particular location or structure, we too miss the boat. Did you know God wants to use you much more on your job, in your classroom, in your neighborhood, amongst your family than he ever would just in this time right here? Now don't get me wrong, this is an amazing time. And we need as God's people to gather together, to be encouraged, to be inspired, to be challenged, and maybe even convicted by his word. But this is not the end of faith. This is the beginning. God wants us to walk free so we can then go and share that freedom with those around us. That we can call others to walk into what God has for them. To experience the kingdom of God in our midst. Legalism, though, can keep us from walking in that kind of freedom. The commandments are meant to help us know God more, not confine us. Jesus said this in Mark 2, in verse 27. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus knew the heart of the law. Jesus knew the heart of what he was purposed for, why he came to bring people to God. So if you find yourself like me, who live on the legalistic side of things, I'm a rule follower. It's kind of, things are very black and white. I don't do gray. My wife, she lives in the gray zone, and so we clash at times about that's right or wrong and not. And she understands context and everyone's situation. And I'm like, no, it's right or wrong. If you're like me, you may have to fight against that natural tendency to want to make everything exactly the same sometimes. Don't forget the heart behind the commandments, the heart behind what God is doing. And then finally, not only did Jesus set this woman free in this passage from spiritual bondage, from religious bondage, but also from emotional bondage. To finish up the story again in verse 15, the Lord answered him. He said, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox and donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all of his opponents were humiliated. See, this synagogue leader, he had more compassion for the livestock 
for the ox and the donkey than he did for this woman. Now, talk about a hard heart. He was so emotionally hardened that he missed this person right in front of him. Can I ask you a question? How tender is your heart to those that are walking in bondage, to those that are oppressed, to those that are not living according to what God's called them to? Are you aware of others' needs? Do you see people in their struggles? Or are you focused more on other things? Maybe your own self, maybe your own needs. Maybe you've been burned before. Maybe you've gotten hurt by somebody else when you allowed them close. And you know what? That natural human tendency is if I've been hurt, I gotta put up walls. Maybe you've been, even the term brokenhearted, heartbroken, that hurts. And that natural response is to, I don't want to feel that again, so I'm just gonna not let somebody get close enough to hurt me. I'm not gonna see needs around me or see people in their brokenness because let's be honest, people are messy. People's junk, you can get sucked in. It can get on you. It can be tough. I mean, what if they call you when you're needing to sleep at night? I mean, what if you just need some alone time and somebody's on your door crying? What if it doesn't work out like you thought it would and that person doesn't appreciate what you've done for them? And instead they turn on you too because they're so wounded. Maybe it's easier just to harden my heart and just keep people at arm's length. Do you think that's God's best for his people? No. Even though it's natural, it's not God's best. But maybe you've been that person who's been wounded. Maybe you've been emotionally wounded as well. The natural sinful response to that oftentimes is unforgiveness. And that turns into bitterness. Maybe you've been hurt deeply by someone. Maybe your parents left you or abandoned you. Maybe somebody who said they would always be there has turned their back. Maybe that relationship didn't work out. That job that was promised you, somebody gave it to somebody else. Those wounds hurt. And it's easy to hold a grudge. That then can fester and turn into bitterness. Here's what Hebrews says about what bitterness can do to us. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, bitterness in our heart and unforgiveness can keep us from receiving the grace of God. Did you know that God's grace, you and I deserve to remain bound in our sin, yet God's grace, his unmerited favor, is what he offers to us. If we hold on to bitterness, if we're stuck in a cycle of unforgiveness, what happens is God's grace is there available, and yet we miss it. It's like an umbrella that keeps the rain from hitting us and cleansing us. It just, it's not going to come near you. Maybe it's physical healing, like this woman needed. Maybe it's emotional healing. It's freedom. And yet, if we get stuck in emotional bondage and bitterness ourselves, then we can't receive all of God's grace. I'll share a story of, um, I did a lot of medical missions in my days, and I was on a trip down to Peru a few years ago. And there was, we were there treating, it was a pastor's conference. Pastors and their families came from all over the uh, upper regions of the Amazon Delta. And, you know, this, we were treating them while they were there being educated and, you know, encouraged. And one of these pastors, his wife came through. 
and she was probably in her late 30s, and her biggest complaint for me was this horrible arthritis in her hands. She had these knobbly knuckles, and she said she had a hard time even opening her hands to do anything, and she wondered if I had some medicine for her. Now, she's in the jungle, doesn't have refrigeration. I had a few medicines with me, but nothing for rheumatoid arthritis, nothing that's going to be some of the biologic agents that we use today. You know, there's no rheumatologist where she lived. So I had some ibuprofen, and I'm like, well, I can give you that, and I can pray. That's all I've got. So I prayed for her, and I'm like, Lord, can you heal this woman's hands? My medicines aren't going to do it for what she needs. And in that moment, God gave me a, a picture. Let's describe it as a vision. I don't know. It was these hands clenched tightly, holding on to bitterness. I don't know how I knew it was bitterness she was holding on to, but that's what the Lord showed me. I stopped my prayer. And I kind of had a decision. Do I speak this out loud? Like, was that the burrito I had the night before? Or was that the Lord speaking? You know, it was like, ah, you know what? I just asked her, hey, are you bitter towards anyone? Is there any unforgiveness you have? And this woman begins to weep, uncontrollably sobbing. She weep for a while. And then I was like, ooh, not the burrito. That was the Lord. <laughs> All right, tell me what's, what's, what's going on here. And she began to recount the story. For since she was a teenager, she and her sister, who used to be best friends growing up, hadn't spoken. Something happened. Something, a rift came between them in their teenage years. And her sister hurt her so bad and was so nasty to her that they haven't spoken. And sometimes she forgets why she's mad at her sister and why she hasn't spoken to her in so long. But she remembers that letter that her sister wrote her and she saved it. And she goes and pulls that letter out and reads the letter again and gets so angry all over again. And now she remembers why she's so angry. And I told her at that moment, I said, you know what? You ask God to heal your hands, but you need to forgive your sister first. See, the fact of your bitterness, your unforgiveness is absolutely keeping you from receiving the grace of God. I confronted her with Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, which Jesus said, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, she wanted to be healed, but she didn't want to extend forgiveness to her sister. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit met her in that moment, and she forgave her sister. She confessed her bitterness. She forgave her sister and she blessed her sister. And at the end of that prayer time, you know what happened? Knuckles were normal. Her hands could move. And she was physically healed of what had kept her bound up. See, the grace of God is present to set us free. But we have to be willing to walk out of the cages. So whatever holds you back, I'm telling you today, freedom is here. I want to close with this scripture. Jesus himself said this in John 8, verse 31. He said, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We have to know the truth. We have to hear the word first. But once we have the word, once we can grab a hold of what God says to us and what God's purposes are for us, then that truth will set you free. That's not a qualified statement. It not might set you free if you're really, really good, give an extra big offering when the bag comes by, help more ladies, old ladies across the street. No, it's based on 
the truth. It's based on his word. We just have to then believe it. What he says, not listening to fear. So I'm gonna show us one final picture in the story. If you're still doubting after all that, that freedom is possible, I wanna introduce you to this gentleman here. His name is Niko Vujicic. Maybe you've heard his story or seen him before. No, this is not a Photoshop photo. This is him. Nico has what's called tetraamelia syndrome. He was born without arms or legs and only has a small little stump of a foot there on his left. Nico, um, here's a quote by him about this topic. He said this, in life, if you don't know the truth, then you can't be free because then you don't, you'll believe that the lies are the truth. But once we realize that when we read the word of God and you know the truth of who you are, then I'm not a man without arms or legs. I am a child of God. Now, allow that to sink in for a second. <laughs> if this guy says, I'm not trapped in this body and that somehow this is not who I am, doesn't define me, but who God says about me, what excuse do I have not to live up to what God says about me? That convicts me. Does it convict you? He wrote a book later in life called Life Without Limits. Wow. If you need someone to encourage you about walking as God says you can, whether you can physically walk or not, how to spiritually live out the calling of God on your life, to walk in freedom, I encourage you, learn from this child of God who is running after Jesus, much freer than many folks with two arms and two legs. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, I pray that today, Lord, we would take to heart the story of this woman, God, who, who was bound. Some of the religious traditions of her day couldn't set her free, couldn't help her. People concerned about many other things besides what was on your heart. Lord, I pray today, God, if there's anyone here, God, who may have been oppressed by the enemy, God, today that the enemy has kept them bound or, or encouraged their own sin to the point, God, where it's created bondage. Maybe it's a physical addiction. God, born out of spiritual issues. God, maybe people have been bound up, God, in religion. Maybe they've walked with you, but they've allowed faith to become stale, allowed faith, God, to, to be defined by external things. God, in keeping the law rather than the spirit of the law, knowing you. God, or maybe it's somebody who's been wounded, got stuck in emotional bondage, got allowed bitterness or unforgiveness to come in. God, I pray that today would be a day of freedom. If one of those areas today say, you know what, yes, I identify with that. I'm struggling with some of those same things. If that's you, if you could just slip your hand up, I wanna pray for you today. Pray that God would meet you in this moment today, that God would come where you are. Lord, you see these hands raised. God, you know what some of these issues are. God, you know what has kept them free. God, I pray that today, God, by the spirit of Jesus here moving in this place, God, that you would cause freedom to reign today. Lord, that they would forgive if they need to. If there's any bitterness in your heart, any unforgiveness today, the word of the Lord to you is you must forgive. God, and whether they feel it or not, God, whether they have the energy to do it, God, I pray that the Spirit would enable them today to take that step, to choose to forgive. Maybe you need to say, God, I need freedom, God, from the limitations I've placed on myself. God, I pray that you would open eyes today to see the callings of God, to see who you are in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would, whatever the enemy has thrown their way, whatever the enemy has said is true, God, I pray that you would expose the lies of the enemy today. 
and allow them, God, to step free as children of the Most High. God, thank you, Jesus, that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. The truth will set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. After the service, I think there are going to be some folks from the prayer team here that if you say, listen, I've been walking in some stuff for a long time and I really need somebody else to physically pray with me, somebody to walk with me. I don't know how to do this, this forgiveness thing. It's been a messy situation. I don't know what to do next. There are folks that can help you. Some of these things, yes, you and God need to take care of, but oftentimes for you to truly walk in freedom, you need to walk it out with brothers and sisters. That's what city groups are for. That's what the body of Christ, the church, is meant to do. We're not supposed to come here just to spectate and to have a, something like a show. No, we are called to walk with one another, to walk these things out, encouraging one another daily, speaking faith over one another, calling that friend. Maybe it's inconvenient, but that's what the body does to help one another walk this out. There are people here that can help you, brothers and sisters that can walk with you in these things to see you be who God has called you to be. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Instagram.